Welcome, everyone. This is Michael Blue, and you've connected to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, the podcast, where we are cultivating makers and shapers of culture. Prepare for a riveting time in the principles and practices of the King and of His Kingdom. You are about to be charged, challenged, and changed. I know you're ready. Let's go. Let's pray together and we're going to begin our conversation. Father, we thank you that you have made it possible for us to come together once again this morning. And we thank you so much for all of the grace and the mercy that you have bestowed upon us. We know and we acknowledge that without you, we are nothing and that without you, we can do nothing, but that with you, all things are possible to him that believeth. And Lord, we do believe and we ask that you help thou our unbelief. And this very moment, we acknowledge the spirit of God. We ask you that you would have your way in our lives, have your way in our professions, have your way in our families and in our other personal relationships and interpersonal relationships. I ask that you supply every need that beset this man or this woman of God. Supply every need. Let them know that you're not just God of Saturday or Sunday, but you're God of Monday as well. That you're the God of the work week, of the workplace, of the workspace. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you that the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. I ask you in Jesus' name now, Father, to let your wisdom be imparted. For your word said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Let us walk in, let us appropriate, let us lay hold upon the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God that will bring us into the place of manifestation of the sons of God, manifestation of the glory of God in and through our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the word concerning our assignments. And we give you thanks that it is not merely a word for us to hear, but a word for us to embrace and to do. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you know, we have been talking about the assignment. I mentioned this in the first service first service, Lord, in the first session, the 715 session, I mentioned that there's something uh, that I've observed that since we've been talking about the assignment, now that doesn't mean we're the first people that ever mentioned assignments in the kingdom, but uh, from the time that we began to talk about the assignment in FKP, I've noticed that much confirmation has come. I, I don't know that I was aware of that many people talking about the uh, assignment as overtly. It, it seems as if there's been a chorus of voices confirming the fact that, uh, that we are in uh, a season where God is calling our attention to the, the assignment. I mentioned that a great man of God, the Lord actually gave him a visitation. And uh, in that vision, the Lord told him, your assignment matters. And he sent 
he sent a text to me uh, to encourage me with your assignment matters without him knowing uh, he's not a part of FKP without him knowing that that's where we've been for the past several weeks, uh, all the way into a month or two. And so um, I asked the group this morning, of course, I, I would not have been able to see except uh, one person unmuted and, and chimed in, but uh, 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 Dr. Burns, but if there are those who um, you likewise have noticed that there's been some uh, extensive uh, teaching on uh, assignments here lately. Of course, I've gone and, and, and taught and shared some lessons in, in the sermonic setting concerning the uh, assignment as well. But how many of you have been hearing some things about the assignment? Put it in the comments if you have. Um, you've been hearing some things about about your assignment and, and the assignment of God's people. Put it in the comments quickly. I'd like to see if I'm the only person or if, if you've been hearing some things too from, from diverse and um, various settings, in different settings, you've been hearing some things about assignments. Yeah, just bless you, bless you. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Sister Flagger, Pastor Thompson, Sister Augustus, Dr. Commodore, Pastor Harrington, Brother Lester, Minister Lester, Minister Thompson, Sister Whittington. Yeah, it, it's out there. It's out there. Okay. Let's see. This is good, Sister Singleton. FKP helped me years ago to see my space in the workplace as much more than a way to earn a wage. And that brings me great joy every day even on days I don't understand. Now, Sister Singleton, that is precious. Thank you for sharing that. That's encouraging. That's encouraging. That's a major part of what this is about. That's a major part of what this is about. Brother Robert Johnson, Bishop Lambert, Sister Hudson, Sister Hemingway, Sister Felton, Sister Leva Brown, Sister uh, Graham, uh, Sister Scarborough. Okay, so quite a few, quite a few. Yeah, I think that there's something to it. <laughs> How about you? I think there's something to it. I believe uh, in the words of uh, Brother Andre Crouch's song from The Color Purple, maybe God is trying to tell you something, trying to tell us something. Very well, let's go to our discussion Uh the book of John chapter one, gospel of John. Remember, it's in the book of John that we learn about a gentleman named John. And this gentleman named John, of course, we learn about him in the other gospels as well. But this gentleman named John in the book of John chapter one is the one we call John the Baptist or John the Baptizer or John the Immerser. And in verse 19, the Bible says, and this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Art thou Elias? And he said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, no. Then said they unto him, who art thou that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, uh, make straight the way of the Lord. 
as said the prophet Isaiah. And so what we're dealing with is the assignment. The reason why we're using John the Baptist is because he is a person who was clear on his assignment and he did not allow anybody to distract him or deter him or to detract him from his mission, his assignment. He knew why God had sent him and he stood by that. Elder Williams, good to see you, sir. And uh, there was someone else who made a, oh, there it is. Sister Willard says, FKP sessions have been a blessing in her career and personally. Thank you, Sister Willard, for sharing that. We always want to know, we always want to know that this FKP flow is doing something for your life. I don't want you to just sit and, you know, tolerate well, Brother Blue, there he goes again. He's a nice fellow, so we'll just turn him on and let it roll. No, 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 no. Let's turn it off and all to go take a break. What we want to know is that something that is being shared is impacting your life in a tangible, meaningful way long after the stream has uh, ceased. If the stream has been a blessing, share it with others. All right? Very well. John, John, John the Baptist is clear on his assignment. And his assignment is to prepare the people for the Messiah and to prepare slash present the Messiah to and for the people. Um, there are nine major pieces of what we've asked you to consider in terms of knowing your assignment. To know your assignment is to know your sender. I must know my sender. I must know myself. I must know my superior slash my system. That is the structure into which I'm sent. There is someone who is going to represent vision, is going to represent someone who gives direction, who gives uh, perspective. So I must know my superior. That is, I must know uh, quote unquote, who I work for and what I'm working in, the system, what I am to accomplish in that context. All right. I need to know the structure. I need to know the, the flow chart, the chain of, if there, if there is such a thing, chain of command or the team structure. All right. That's number three. Number four, I must know my skills. Number four, I must know my service. My skills are my gift set. All right then I must know my service, number five. That is, I must know, as I stated earlier, what I'm sent to do. And in this case, to prepare people for Messiah and to bring uh, preparation to Messiah for the people. Then the sixth one, very important, my scope. That is, to whom am I sent? To whom am I sent? You know, you can waste a lot of energy uh, trying to work in a setting that's not your scope. Paul refers to his scope of ministry as a measure of rule. Someone lifts up the Greek, the metron, the measure of rule. Uh, God has given to each of us a measure of rule. He's given to each of us uh, a scope. And as we are faithful in fulfilling our assignment in that scope, he can very well enlarge the scope. You see, there are micro assignments and then there is the macro assignment. And as we are faithful in carrying out the micro assignments, God continues to expand the scope. Uh, he begins to broaden, he continues to broaden our uh, horizons or enlarge our territory as 
uh, the scripture says our scope changes. Then number seven, we must know our schedule. And that's really where we were last time. We were talking about the fact that in order to know my assignment, I must be sensitive to my schedule. Number eight is to know my satisfaction. And number nine is to know my successor or successors, plural. And so we're going to uh, make mention of uh, the uh, knowing one schedule. God bless you, Bishop uh, Lucky Bapete. Bishop Bapete is from South Africa, and he will have his first opportunity, and we will have the first privilege of him being a part of Leadership Conference 2022. Bishop Bapete will be with us in the flesh um, during the leadership meeting uh, all the way from South Africa. All right, so let's talk about this. In the book of Psalms, Psalm number 90, Psalm number 90 and verse 12, Psalm number 90, and verse 12, the Bible says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. We're asking God to teach us to number our days. That is to take inventory of the time that we've had and the time that we will have left that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. How many understand, how many understand that you don't have as long as you used to have? I don't have as long as I used to have. We went to Jeremiah chapter 18 last time and we talked about the fact that uh, the potter, we know the story of the potter working a work upon the wheels and the Bible says that the work was marred in the hand of the potter. The vessel was marred in the hand of the potter. And the Bible says, uh, so the potter made again another vessel. All right. And we talked about the fact that we shared a lesson on this some years ago. Look at verse four, uh, Jeremiah 18, four. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, colon, so he made it again, another vessel. We talked about the fact, we talked about the fact that if he is able to make the vessel over, it's because he's in that window where the clay is still malleable, still flexible, put some water on it, shape it, it can still be remade, okay? But that's not a long-term status. Once that vessel hardens to a certain extent, it'll have to be thrown away if it's flawed. So in other words, there is a window. There is a window of opportunity. There is a window of opportunity that God provides for each of us as relates to our assignments. That vessel has an assignment. That vessel has an assignment. The Bible says in a great house, there are vessels many, some unto honor and some unto dishonor. God's intent for us, God's assignment for us is always an honorable one. But the Bible says the vessel is marred, the vessel is damaged, the vessel is defected. 
in the hand, not by the hand, but in the hand of the potter. In other words, the potter did not make the vessel defective, but the vessel became defective because of its own contents in the hand of the potter. The Bible says, colon, so he made it again. Listen, that colon is the amount of time that's left for that vessel to be remade. There's a, there's a pregnant pause that gives us a chance to be redone and remade. Are you listening to that? Sister Lemon, I appreciate your comment there. That's really good. Those of you who'd like to take a, a glance at it before we continue. FKP has helped her in more ways than she expected. For example, dealing with difference, the differences of people and being reminded of how to deal with people. Keeps her well grounded in a kingdom way of structure. The principles allow her to handle ways of the world regardless of how people behave. She meets all kinds of people and she knows that the structure of FKP plays a major part on how she's learned to conduct business. I'm honored by that. And we are honored by that. And to God be all the praise, Sister Lemma. Thank you for sharing that. All right. There's a pregnant pause. There's a pregnant pause in your life that once that time passes, it's not that God won't be able to do anything with you or with us, but it may mean that what he intended to do in that moment, he won't be able to do it because we've tied his hands. We read the passage over in the book of Proverbs. You know, I hate to give be a bearer of bad news, but I can't lie to you. In the book of Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 23, the Bible says, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. Your flocks and your herds simply speak of those opportunities, those gifts, those abilities that God has given you. You may not necessarily be a farmer. Obviously, if you're a farmer, Every head of cattle, every head of uh, sheep or whatever is your opportunity, is your potential, okay, is your resource. But regardless of what kind of resource it is, the Bible says, know the state of them and look well to them. Verse 24, for riches are not forever. Time is one of the greatest treasures, one of the greatest riches. And the Bible said it's not forever. Opportunities, moments, favor. They're not always going to be there. Listen, the, for riches are not forever and dump the crown endure to every generation. Crown, crown speaks of leadership. Crown, crown speaks of honor. And listen, you may be wearing a certain crown. That is, you have a certain office. You have a certain authority. You have a certain responsibility. Or God may have put you close to someone who wears a certain crown. If you're close to the mayor or you're close to the governor, close to the senator, close to the supervisor, close to the CEO, all right, the principal, the department chair, the superintendent, God has given you access to the person who's wearing that crown. The Bible said the crown is not forever. If you've been close to Queen Elizabeth II, you'd have had 70 years to have positive God impact in the life of Queen Elizabeth. But if you didn't get it in within the 70 years, don't be surprised if uh, King Charles says, uh, I'm going to change your position. You're no longer going to work where, where you used to work. See, it's not forever. 
Even 70 years came to an end. What I'm saying is God gives us, and that's one of the reasons why the lessons that we've shared about stewarding the moment and managing the moment and all of that, that's why that's more than just a little sermon. That's God talking to us saying that he's setting up moments for us and he's trying to set us up for the moments so that we will converge and not diverge, so that we will converge and not clash. You can see that. All of us have opportunities, but all of us do not optimize the opportunities. In the words of Bishop Jake's great title, maximizing moments. All of us don't do that. All of us haven't done that. I haven't always done it. I certainly haven't. That's one of the reasons why I gave the testimony, because I wanted to be honest before God, but also honest before his people, that I said to the Lord, I was saying to the Lord, Lord, I know I'm behind. I'm behind. There's so many things that I desire to do, so many things that I have in me, so many things that I've begun and I, and I haven't uh, completed. And the Lord spoke back to me. I didn't hear a baritone voice now, but the Lord spoke back to me and said, yes, you have missed some opportunities. But the best part of what I gave you is still in you. Now rise up and don't miss any more moments. I was in prayer talking to the Lord and he came back. Did you hear me? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. That's not a happy word in and of itself. It's a hopeful word. It's not a happy word, but it's a hopeful word. It means that we still have a chance. Thank you, sir. You know, I just had another birthday. I believe that the best of what he put, that he gave me, the best of what he gave me over these 59 years, I believe is still in me. However, I don't have long. Or I may have another 50 years, but that's still not uh, 109 years. You understand? I, I hope I have several decades left at least, but, but, but I can't relive the ones I had. That's what I'm saying. And 100 years is not long. 120 years is not long. So what I'm saying is you and I, we're the vessels. We're on the wheels. Thank you, sir. And anywhere that there's been some flaws and some marring, just remember that there is a window in which uh, God can make you over for that particular assignment. Doesn't mean you can't do another assignment. But that particular assignment, there's a window in it. You understand? If there was something that you were supposed to accomplish when you were in your 20s, it's not that you can't accomplish it in your 60s. It's just that it won't be the same as if you had done it in your 20s. You understand? Because the world has changed. So it doesn't mean that you won't be able to accomplish it. It just means that context has changed. Circumstances have changed. And so... Uh, it's possible that it'll still work, but it won't work the way it would have worked. Can you see it? Oh, Father. All right, so your assignment has a schedule. I've got to run. Your assignment has a schedule. Um, John the Baptist, if you go back to Luke chapter one, we won't take we won't take the time to do it. But in Luke chapter one, the angel Gabriel went to Zacharias and six months later, 
went to Mary. Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist. Six months later, he goes to Mary and tells Mary, I've been to Zechariah and Elizabeth and it's been six months. They are expecting a child. God has granted them a child the natural way. You're going to have a child supernaturally and they're six months apart. So John the Baptist, it seems, is about six months older than Jesus. That's all. About six months older than Jesus. And so when John begins to preach in the third chapter of Luke in verse one, when the time is given to us, when John begins to preach, it appears, it appears that 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 John didn't have a whole, a really an extensive long time before Jesus showed up ready to be baptized. John and Jesus. So in other words, Jesus is on John's heels. You understand? Um, someone has said that's why John leaped in his mother's womb because he realized, hey, I got to hurry up because he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. That's his message. That's his mandate. That's his mission. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. I must prepare the people for him and I must present him to the people. Can you see that? Brother Millhouse, make sure I don't miss that. I want to go back to that. You see it? Wow. There's an urgency. Everybody say urgency. One of the things that hurts us in terms of our fulfillment of our assignment is that in many instances, we lack urgency. We let people talk us out of our urgency. We let people pour water on our urgency, our passion ends up being compromised because we're in an environment where other people are not as urgent as are we. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, Pastor Dix, don't, 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 don't preach all over the, <laughs> God. there he goes again. I love him. Did you hear me? I'm telling you, my dear brothers and my dear sisters, you need people around you who are urgent like you. You need people around you who are passionate like you. I'm not saying uh, put barriers up uh, toward other people, but I'm saying you need somebody in your inner circle who is just as passionate as you are, and if not more so. You do not need any deadpan, slothful, slothful, whichever way you want to pronounce it, can't hardly get along, oi, oi, scratching, always complaining, whining. You don't need that in your ear. You don't need that in your sphere. You just don't need it. You need someone, they might be just as broke as you, but they're passionate. Because resource is going to follow. Vision that's God-given, when you begin to press into the fulfillment of vision, resource is going to be magnetized towards you. And everybody that's urgent is not broke. Okay? God has put some urgency in some people that have some means. But what I'm simply saying to you, there has to be, yes, uh, Reverend P, there has to be vision and there has to be passion. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Some people consider it to be their mission in life to calm you down. Calm down. Calm. Take it easy. 
take it easy. I've been taking it easy for 20 years. I can't afford to take it easy right now. You understand? I'm still in my strength. I'm still in my health. I can't act like I'm in a convalescent center. I honor those who are, but I can't act as if I'm, 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 I'm in a wheelchair. I can't act as if I don't have stamina. I cannot, I can't pretend that I don't see some things, that I want some things, that I don't desire some things, that I don't believe some things, and I envision some things. Come on, Dr. Pinckney. You know, I used to really enjoy, in a sweet way, I used to enjoy some of my students' misspellings. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's some people trying to get you to clam down. You understand? They're trying to get you to clam down. No, no, no. This is not the time for me to clam down. This is the time for me to ratchet it up. Thank you, sir. This is, turn it up. And, 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 and those of you that are a little older, if everybody that's in your graduating class is sitting around looking pitiful, then you go associate yourself with the, with the underclass persons. You understand what I'm saying? You go and, and borrow some of their fuel. You go and borrow some of their fire or show them that you have fire in your generation. Are you hearing me? It's bad to be in the middle of pitiful people. Not pitiful because of what they don't have materially. Not pitiful because of their socioeconomic status, but pitiful because there's nothing in their head that says, get up and let's move. Let's, let's do something. You always be talking, always be, ain't never satisfied. No, no, no. Always talking about something else. Always trying to do something else. Yes, yes, that's the call of God. Because you're sensitive to the schedule, sensitive that you don't have long. So there's a sense of urgency. So know my assignment includes knowing my schedule. To know your assignment is to know your schedule. What are you working on? What are you working on? What are you working on? All right. Jesus. Can we talk about Jesus for a moment? Jesus was sensitive to the schedule. I love this. I love this right here. Uh, the ninth chapter of John. Oh, God. Jesus said in the ninth chapter of John, verse four, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. I must work the works of him that sent me, but there's a time on it while it is day. He said the night is coming. He didn't say it might come. He said the night is coming when no man can work. The night of death, yes, but also the night of just a lack of that particular opportunity, a lack of that particular access. The night cometh. Curtains are pulled on that particular act, on that particular scene. Curtains for that. Now, the curtains are going to open on a new scene, new opportunity. But it's night for this one. 
Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. My, my, my. Your assignment has a schedule. Mm. If you read the life of Jesus, you'll find that the Bible says that, that he, ha he was straightened. S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T-E-N-E-D. He was compelled. He had a sense of timing, urgency in the timing. You read the book of Mark. How many remember that Mark is the gospel in which Jesus is portrayed as the servant and the miracle worker? When you look at the four faces of Ezekiel's cherub and John's living creatures, the four faces are said to correspond to the four gospels. The lion face to Matthew, where Jesus is portrayed as king. The ox or calf face, where Jesus is portrayed as the servant and the miracle worker. The man's face corresponds to the book of Luke, where Jesus is uh, portrayed as the perfect man. And then the eagle face is correspondent to the book of John, the gospel of John, where Jesus is portrayed as the son of God, the eternal word of God. So Mark, number two, the server, the worker. You follow? Notice that characteristic of the book of Mark is this word, straightway, 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 immediately, 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 immediately. Um, if you've ever read the book of Mark, you'll find, I think I read somewhere that is that word is used 42 or 43 times, immediately, straightway, immediately, straightway. Immediate. Why is there so much immediacy? Why is that straightway being used? Because Jesus has a sense of his schedule. He's moving, he's pressing, he's pressing, he's moving, he's moving, he's pressing. And as I said, you need somebody in your circle who has a press in his or her spirit. You need someone in your circle who has a press that will compress your press, will, will con convict and will stimulate you to move forward. Thank you, Father. I bless your name. Oh, my goodness. I wanted to get to the satisfaction, but uh, it looks as if we won't get there. Um, I will mention the verse that I mentioned in the first session, Proverbs 13, 19, about satisfaction. Proverbs 13, 19. The Bible says the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Proverbs 13 and verse 19 says the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Listen, the reason why you need to be pressing like this, the reason why you need an urgency in your spirit is because when you get this thing done, there's such a sweetness. When you know you've done what you've been assigned to do, when you know that you can check that box because you you did that, <laughs> as the children said, you did that. There's such a sense of fulfillment. Now, listen, we're going to talk about the satisfaction. That includes compensation. Yes, it does. It includes a number of things, a number of rewards. But the greatest reward is knowing that God is pleased because you did what he told you to do. That brings a fulfillment in your life when you know that you've obeyed God. There's nothing that feels 
as fulfilling as knowing that you've obeyed God. Did you hear me? When you know you've done what, you know, there's a, there's a song, an older song that says, I done done what you told me to do. Lord have mercy. I, I know it's not, that's not grammatically sound, but you got to understand our fathers and mothers, they didn't know all about grammar. They just knew how to get it out from their souls and their spirits. And they said, Lord, I done done. I done done. That means I have already done what you told me to do. There's nothing more fulfilling than being able to tell God. That's what Jesus meant. That's what Jesus meant when he was on the cross and said, Tetelestai. He said, it is finished. He was saying, I done done what you told me to do. Uh, everything hadn't happened yet. He hadn't died yet. He hadn't he hadn't rose from the, uh, had not risen rather from the dead yet. No, he hadn't arisen from the dead, but everything that he had control over, everything that he had control over, short of just dismissing his spirit, he said, I've already done. Lord, I praise you. Come on, Brother Campbell. I done done. Yes, sir. What you told me to do. Lord, I praise your name. And that's what you want. Whatever your assignments are, Thank you, Jesus. My goodness. Whatever the assignment is that's on your life, the micro and the macro, let me tell you, when the Lord calls you to a fast or to a consecration and you go through that thing and you come out of it, there's nothing more fulfilling than being able to tell the Lord, I done done what you told me to do. Whatever it is, that's a joy the devil can't take away from you. That's why he'll try to hit you right after you've obeyed God. He'll try to hit you uh, immediately after you've done what the Lord said do. If he can't distract you in the middle and pull you out of it, then when, when, when you get to the end of it, when you get to the consummation of it, he'll try to rain on your parade. He'll try to somehow diminish the value of it, but he can't get down in there. Not down in there where you are able to tell the Lord, I done done what you told me to do. Go back and study that thing. My God, go back. If there's a class the Lord is leading you to take, if there's a degree that the Lord is encouraging you to go and get, some credential, some training that God is calling you to do, if there's some people that God is calling you to touch, if there's a neighborhood the Lord is telling you to um, go and take your grill and just cook some hot dogs and hamburgers and invite them out, and give them some pamphlets about the Lord or invite them to church. Whatever it is that the Lord is placing in your spirit, go to your supervisor and let your supervisor know that you pray for him or her every day or every night. And let them know that that project that they're working on, that it seems like it's not going to work, but you got it down in your spirit from God that it's going to be all right. Whatever it is, whatever it is, I sense the presence of the Lord. Whatever it is, whatever it is, that is your micro assignment while you're on your way to your macro assignment. I encourage you. I exhort you. Don't let the enemy talk you out of it. Don't let the naysayers talk you out of it. And let me tell you something else. You try some things. You try some things. You try some things. Faith, someone has said it and it's, and, and it's absolutely true. Faith in many instances is spelled R-I-S-K. 
Faith requires a risk. I've been saying that for some years. Faith requires a risk. Faith requires a risk. Don't you let everybody talk you. Let Don't let people talk you out of taking certain risks. You're always in your comfort zone. You're always in, no, no, no. At some point, you will have to come out of the proverbial box and you'll have to risk not knowing whether you're going to look foolish or not, whether or not somebody is going to mock or what have you, but you're going to go forward anyway because I know I have an assignment. I have an assignment and nothing great has ever been achieved without somebody taking a risk. Nothing truly great, nothing truly great has ever been accomplished without somebody taking a risk. I'm not talking about recklessness, but I'm talking about boldness. I'm talking about trust in God when there's not much else to trust. Why? Because I have an assignment and my assignment has a schedule and I don't want to be off schedule. I don't want to miss my time. I don't want to miss my time. I don't want to miss my moment. I don't want to miss what God has prepared. Amen. Well, uh, one more time, one, one more thing, one more thing. We, we've got to go. Uh, and that is this. Remember the parable in the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew and in the 19th chapter of the book of Luke, where in Matthew it's talents and in Luke it's pounds. The people who were commended by their Lord were the people who took a risk in investing the money. The one who was rebuked was the one who did not take a risk. He dug in the ground and buried the treasure. He said, it's safe down in here. And God said, when the Lord came, the Lord said, I don't like that. You played it too safe. I would appreciate it more if you would take what I gave you and risk something great, even if it doesn't work out exactly like you want it. I honor your intent. I don't just honor what you did. I honor what you tried to do. But here you didn't do anything for me to honor. I can take my multiplications. I can take my ability to multiply and take your little bit and take it, bless it, break it and give it. But even if I take millions, if I multiply by your zero, I'm still going to come up with zero. God honors your intent. You plan, you pray, you prepare, and then you step on out. You know it's the will of God. Until we meet again, this is Michael Blue of the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals saying, may God bless you. Go forth today and lead Make the name of Jesus Christ glorious. Make the career of Satan brief and miserable. Together, friends, we shall bring pleasure to Christ's heart. We shall bring fame to his name until we meet again at the appointed time. May the peace of God go with you. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, FKP, the podcast. If you'd like more engagement, click the link in the show notes to join like-minded professionals in the FKP Facebook group. Follow us at Bishop M.A. Blue on all platforms. Also join the FKP Weekly Conversation Live every Monday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Finally, 
Be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. May God bless you until we meet again.